grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today is from Mark chapter 9 of the Transfiguration. And Jesus was transfigured before them, and his garments became radiant and exceedingly white. Dear friends of Christ, you know, there are some things in life that stay etched in our memory. And there are times when we want to preserve the moment. We want to remember what we're seeing and what's taking place. Um, My sister went on vacation, saw the Grand Canyon. She said, I needed to do that a long time ago. Just so majestic. She says, "It's, it's greater than you could ever imagine. Or the, or the majesty of the Rocky Mountains, or the beauty of the Appalachian Mountains, or God's nature. Or think about the victories that you've won. Those are things we want to keep in our mind and memory, and remember them and let, let the memory sink in. Well, Simon Peter understood that. He was on top of the mountain with Peter, James, and John. Um, and and uh, again, they were there, and Christ was transfigured before them. Uh, the word there, metamorphed, meaning he became something completely different. Kind of like a butterfly, you know, a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, that type of word. And so he was changed right before their eyes. They thought they knew him, and then all of a sudden he was something else. And they were terrified, and they didn't know what to do with this, and and uh, so Peter blurts out, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let's just build three tents and let's live up here forever. I, you know, didn't know what he was saying, didn't know how to respond to this. People don't just all of a sudden change in front of you. And yet it was beautiful. Being in the presence of God's glory. And Peter, James, and John didn't want to come down. They wanted to bask in that glory. Peter says, Let, let's just stay here. You know, sometimes we don't understand what it means to go to heaven. And when somebody dies, we think, okay, now you're in heaven. Good for you. What does that mean? Well, your body goes into the grave until the day of resurrection, but your soul goes to be in the presence of God, in the presence of God. And you say, big deal. Well, Peter, James, and John said, we're in the presence of God. Let's stay here. Let's just spend an eternity here. See, this is something you don't understand. The joy of just being in His presence. And so let us consider that as we consider our theme today, a glimpse of glory. A glimpse of glory. Well, in our walk with Jesus too, we have a glimpse of glory. It doesn't last long. Peter, James, and John got to see it for a moment, and then they'd go back down the mountain. And uh, we have glimpses of glory, glimpses of moments where we know God is with us. Uh, you, you, have, you have somebody who has cancer, and you pray, and the cancer is healed. And, and you have moments of glimpses of the glory of God. Maybe, maybe uh, you've had some kind of way God has worked to give you strength in your life. When you were weak, He made you strong, and you had a moment and a glimpse of his divine glory. Or maybe there was a time where you were so discouraged, so depressed, and God came in with his word and with those around you, family and friends, and, they, and he lifted you up. And you saw a glimpse of his glory. Or maybe there was that time where you felt especially close to God. Maybe it was in a worship service or, or maybe at another time. Maybe you were here at the altar uh, receiving the body and blood of Christ and you felt especially close to God and you thought, I just don't want to leave at this moment. But 
By nature, because of our sinfulness and our separation from a God who is holy, we can't be in His presence. In fact, if we were to be in the presence of God, we would not only fall down in trembling and fear, but if we were to see the full glory of God in our sinful nature, we would die. You can only see God's glory veiled as sinful people. What a joy it will be to be able to stand in the fullness of His glory. And so we only get glimpses, moments of God's glory on earth. And those glimpses are passing because we live in a sinful and we live in a fallen world, a world of pain, a world of tragedy, a world of difficulty, a world of challenges. And I don't know what's going on in your life, but I can assure you if we were to share the stories right now of what's going on, the burdens that I have right now, the burdens you have right now, (laughs) we'd be here for a while. A world of sickness and death. We live in a world where God's glory is found in a promise. His glory is found in a promise. And so we live in a world where we cry out with King David, My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling have come upon me. And horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove, that I'd fly away and be at rest. Yes, that I'd wander far away and lodge in the wilderness. I'd hurry and find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. Have you ever felt that way, like you just wanted to disappear, that you wanted to get away from all the stress and all the hurt and all the pain and the suffering of this world and just hide so nobody could ever find you again? Have you ever felt that hopeless, that lonely? Well, if you have, there's a reason. We live in a world where the glory of God is masked in little promises. It's masked in in where God delivers himself in word, water, bread, and wine, and the proclamation of his word hidden in the water of holy baptism and hidden in the bread and wine of holy communion. And God comes to us, but he comes veiled. He comes hidden. And there we see his promise, and there we see his glory where God delivers us the simple things, forgiveness, where He delivers eternal life and where He delivers salvation to transform our black hearts. I'll get to the transformation of our hearts in just a little bit. But maybe you want to see more of God's glory. Maybe you want to be like Peter, James, and John. And you say, well, God could show His glory to Peter, James, and John. Why can't God show His glory to me? And you want to have that moment where you see Jesus shine. And maybe his promises, these simple promises, are not enough for you. And maybe you want more. But I want to ask you, and I want you to think about God's simple promises. In those moments when you've had the deepest despair, when you've been grieving or hurting, in those moments where you're struggling, it's those promises that mean the most, right? When we're struggling the most, those promises come to us and we cling to them like an anchor to our soul. And they mean the most. But it's just a simple promise. There's more there than you think there is. Through the dismal valleys and the most desperate times in our life, the dark shadows of this world, our Savior opens up His arms and He says to us, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. 
I'll give you salvation. Don't you see, don't you see that our, our daily fears and frustrations, our frequent sorrows and sins, our ever-present setbacks and struggles are our present reality. This is the reality we know. Indeed, this is the reality in which we live. Pains and trials and sin, suffering, sickness, and death. So if you want to see a glimpse of God's glory, look no further than the promises. When you're in the throes of grief and God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you, that matters. We're in you're in despair and we get a glimpse of God's glory. And Paul, we listen to his words of advice. I am content with weakness, with insults, with hardships, with persecutions. I'm intent with calamities. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And then Paul says, I pray that I'd be weak so that I can have the strength of Christ with me all the time. We know that weakness, don't we? We walk in it. If you want a glimpse of God's glory, look no further than the words of the psalmist. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer and my God. My God in whom I take refuge. My shield. The horn of my salvation. My stronghold. And we need a stronghold. This is what Martin Luther took from this passage and created. A mighty fortress is our God. And of course, He is our fortress. Because our lives are shaky and unstable. There's a satanic lie out there, however. It's called the theology of glory. And many Christians live by the theology of glory. They believe that if they have enough faith, and what they end up doing is putting faith in their faith, but they believe that if they have enough faith, that they can become successful and prosperous. And that that's, what, that's what God wants for all His people. All of them. If you have enough faith, you'll be successful and healthy and wealthy and prosperous. And so you cling to that faith. So God will take away your suffering and not let you live here on this world of brokenness and sin. But this kind of earthly glory is unbiblical. And you want proof? Look no further than the disciples. Those guys turned the world upside down. They they really did. They changed the world after Christ's death. And yet, you look at every single one of them, except for the Apostle John, every single one of them died for his faith. They died without pennies in their pockets. They died brutal, painful deaths. Paul had his head cut off. Peter died upside down. Because they're the people that wanted to kill them because of how they taught the faith. You talk about a theology of glory... The greatest men that have walked on the earth suffered and died and lost their lives at a young age. Simple promises, they understood. And they would cling to those simple promises that God is with me, even as I'm being stoned to death. God is with me, even as my head is being removed from my body. God is with me, even as I'm being crucified for the faith. And beyond death's door, they knew that they would die, but they would be transfigured. And they clung to that promise that they would die and they would be transformed. 
Like Christ on top of the mountain, their bodies changed, their bodies transformed into something different, into a holy body, into a glorified body, the Bible calls it, that we will one day in His kingdom, when He comes again and creates a new earth, and we will have transformed, glorified bodies. What kind of bodies will those be? But the disciples believed the promise because they saw Jesus. They saw Jesus transformed. They saw Jesus suffer, die. And they saw Jesus rise again. You want proof that this theology of glory is unbiblical? Look no further than Jesus Christ. He was the perfect Son of God. He was the perfect one who never sinned, who had a perfect relationship with His heavenly Father. And yet, despite this perfect relationship, He prayed the night before His death, Heavenly Father, don't let this suffering and death fall upon me. Nevertheless, Your will be done, not mine. And it was God's will that He suffer and that He die for the sin of the world that you and I might be saved. He understood, first the cross, then the crown. The disciples understood, first the cross, then the crown. And we must understand too, first the cross, then the crown. But the promise matters. That's why Transfiguration Sunday is important for us today as we head into Lent. We're about to see Jesus suffer and die. We're about to see Him look very weak and We see our own sin nature, and in repentance, we will say, Dear Lord, I'm a poor, miserable sinner, and we need transfiguration before we head into all that. Because St. Paul says in Philippians 3, there will become a time where we will be transfigured. We await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will change our lowly body to be like His glorious body, glorified bodies, by the power which enables Him to subdue everything to Himself. In our Old Testament, uh, in our epistle lesson today, we talked about Moses and the veil and how when we stand before God in the law, the Ten Commandments, do this, don't do this, If 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 you don't keep God's rules, you will be damned. It's a veil. You can't stand. You can't stand before the law. But since Jesus Christ has come to take the law away from us so that we no longer are condemned by the law, The veil is removed and we stand in the glory of Christ. We've been transformed. Now you can't see it. But you have been glorified. You have been transformed by the blood of Christ. You have been made holy. You have been made righteous. You have been made perfect. And you are transformed so that you no longer need the veil of God's law to rule your life. You now have live in the glory and the love of God. And you say, now I don't have to keep the law. No, no, no. God says, if you love me, if you live my grace, if the veil has been removed, keep my commandments. But now we do it joyfully. Now we keep God's commands because we have a Savior who loves us. It's a choice we make. Because God sent His Son and made a choice to save us. And we choose to let Him be our Savior. We choose to let Him be our God. By the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, He gives us that faith, that ability to cling to His promise and say, this is my God in whom I believe. This is my God. And our souls are transformed. 
One day they will be completely transformed. What an awesome event that will be. When Christ returns and our bodies are then all of a sudden risen from the grave and we're given new and glorified bodies. But today we just get a glimpse of that glory. We just get a glimpse. But one day, it'll be forever. Peter, James, and John, they just had a moment on top of the mountain with Jesus. One day we will have forever. And as the disciples stood on top of that mountain, they watched Jesus shine. They were filled with fear. I don't know what kind of fears you have today. I don't know what kind of burdens you bear. But one day when you're standing in the presence of Christ's holiness, they'll all melt away forever and ever. And there will be no more suffering, no more sickness, no more pain and death. The promises of Christ matter. And in this world of sin and suffering, we need to realize who we are. You know, I consider this analogy. You may, you may think your house is painted white until it snows. And then you get a brand new white snowstorm, and your house looks dingy. Your house doesn't look white, it looks dirty. And that's the way we are in the presence of God. We walk in the presence of God and we look dingy and we feel sinful and we feel unclean and we're separated from God. And and we say, where are your promises? But when you're in the presence of God, everything is made perfect and we match His glory and we match His righteousness and we match His holiness. Why? Because the blood of Christ has purified us and He's made us white as wool. And the veil of the law has been removed so that we might celebrate His grace. Jesus came to transform the darkness of our soul. And the good word for today is Jesus has transformed us by His blood. Isaiah says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. A remarkable promise of God and His grace and God and His word and blood shed that we might live a promise, a glimpse of glory. And therefore, we are not what we appear to be. We appear to be imperfect, at times unloving, at times selfish and angry and resentful, at times petty and proud and rebellious. But in reality, as Christians, we are the righteousness of God, transformed by His grace, transformed, clothed, clothed in the dazzling white of His perfection, which is why pastors wear white robes. It's the robe of righteousness. Think about our theme, a glimpse of glory. What does that mean to you? What does it mean that you have a glimpse of His glory? And is that enough? Is that enough to give you strength? Is that enough to lift you up? Is it enough to give you that assurance of your salvation, a glimpse of His glory? And like Peter, James, and John who had to travel down the mountain into the plain, and God said, God, be with me in the plain. Is that enough? My friends, we get a glimpse too. But the promises that we receive in those glimpses matter. When Holy Communion comes, 
heaven comes down and touches earth and we commune with all the saints in heaven and on earth and we all participate in his body. We participate in his blood and we participate in the church and it's living and it's active and it's not dead like living stones. And we are the people of God in holy communion, in holy fellowship, participating in the body and blood. You may not see the glory, but it's there. And that glory comes to us. The prayer of the day says it this way as we close. In the glorious transfiguration of your only begotten Son, you wondrously foreshadowed our adoption by grace. Therefore, mercifully make us co-heirs with our King in His glory and bring us to the fullness of our inheritance in heaven. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and to life everlasting. Amen.